Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova from Wellspring Counseling. Today's talk is titled Tova's Truth Test Number Two, Love is a Choice. I'm starting a new series and we're gonna test some truths, see if they play out by reality, by scripture, by science and practical living. So Love is a Choice is our show today. Last month on Wellspring on the Air, we spoke about habits, the things we do on Think Automatically, and we discussed how to break the old ones and get new ones. So if you missed any of those shows, you can access them on wellspringmiami.org. As I move into this truth test, the first truth test is truth is not relative. And I'm not doing that today. I'm moving it on. So if you want to hear that one or read that one, you can find it on our website. It came out on our monthly newsletter. And if you'd like to subscribe to that, find that on our website too. Suffice it to say that I believe that truth is not relative and that it is certainly unknowable for any of us as humans and only God knows all the truth. We can pursue truth though and we can know more of it by pursuing it actively and really testing it in reality, holding it to scripture, holding it to science and practical application. So today's truth test is love is a choice and my question to you and to all of our audience and to eric who's with me here today is is that really true is love just a feeling that happens to you and you have no control over it or is love a choice so that's what we're going to get at today and of course you know as we test these truths we're a counseling center right a christian counseling center so we're going to test truths that are not as easily testable like love is a choice or relationship issues. We're gonna test all sorts of kind of intangible things that relate to our lives and practical applications. So I think we'll have a lot of fun together saying, is that true or is that not true? We'll test some of the myths that are out there about relationships and hold them up to science, hold them up to scripture and to reality and see where we are. So here with me today, we have Eric Williams. Hi, Eric. Hey, Tova, how are you? Eric's a therapist with us. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Renee. We have three kids, and we've been in Miami since 2001. Okay. So Eric is our key therapist who's with us. He's been with us before, so we're happy to have you back. And together, he and I are going to test the question, is love a choice? So as we move into that, first of all, let's just define love a little bit. Webster, what does Webster say? It's this feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. So we've got definitions like an intense feeling of affection, fondness, tenderness, warmth, intimacy, attachment, endearment, all these words that relate to what love is. But the problem is in the English language, love is a very broad word, which means way too many things. I know, Eric, to prepare for this, you looked at some urban definitions for love. What'd you get? There's a couple here. Uh, Love is giving someone the power to destroy you and trusting them not to. Uh, There's a thin line between love and hate. Hmm. um, (laughs) That's quite a definition. (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting one. And so, and then another one is the act of caring and giving to someone else, having someone's best interests and well-being as a priority in your life. That's from Love and Peace, you said. I I think that's a pretty good one. You had a funny one there, I know. What was it? Uh, Love is nature's way of tricking people into reproducing. (laughs) 
That's a good one. All right. I had this one from the Urban uh, Definitions, too, of love. And this one, all right, listen to this carefully, you guys. It's, it's really quite interesting. Love is the most spectacular, indescribable, deep, euphoric feeling for someone. It's an incredibly powerful word. When you're in love, you always want to be together. And when you're not, you're thinking about being together because you need that person. And without them, your life is incomplete. This love is unconditional affection with no limits or conditions, completely loving someone. It's when you trust another person with your life and when you would do anything for each other. If you love someone, you want nothing more than for them to be truly happy no matter what it takes because that's how much you care about them and because their needs come before yours. And it goes on and on. So I was just so struck because this epitomizes how complicated this love thing is. This person says love is a feeling, a euphoric feeling. Then they say it's needing somebody and you're desperate for them. And that's really about you receiving something. And then they say you'll do anything for them for their needs. This is, it's a mess. It's almost like a Tom Cruise movie. You complete me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and so when we come at love with all these kind of myths, is, is love a feeling? Is love something I do? Is love something I get? Is that something I give? This is where love gets complicated. And so today we're going to say love is a choice, and we're going to kind of define it. Now, the Greeks did a better job of defining love than, than we do in our English language. They've got eros, and you probably know some of these, which is erotic love, the love of someone wanting, you know, um, procreation as we're tricked into, Right. Phileo, which is affectionate love. Storge, which is familiar love. Um, There's mania, which is obsessive love. And pragma, enduring love. And then we've got others. And we have agape, which is a selfless love. And then we have agape, which is a selfless love. It's the love for another person for their sake. What's in their best interest? So, Eric, together we're going to define love today. I think you and I came up with two basic types of love. There's the one type of love. It's really affection. It's I like or really like a lot. So I call it love to be with somebody because it works for me. So I get something out of it. You make me happy. You meet my needs. You are fun to be with for me. You would be a great mate for me. And so there's that kind of love that says I like to be with you and want to be with you because it works for me. And then there's a second type of love, which is the love of another person, caring for another person for their sake. You love them so much. You want them to be happy, even if they're not with you. You want what's in their best interest. So we have these two types of love that we're going to talk about to simplify all these types today. Eric, what do you think about that? You know, Tim Keller has a great book, The Meaning of Marriage, that talks about just the difference between a consumer type of relationship in marriage or love and a covenant relationship in marriage and love. And I think culturally today, there's less and less paradigms or examples of a covenant type of relationship. Most of them are consumer-based relationships. So as long as you're giving me what I need and what I want, I'm going to stay in this. But the minute that I feel like somebody else can give me more of what I want and what I need, then I'm going to move on. And I think that's a big contrast in our culture. Yeah, I think you're kind of defining two other words. So we're talking about these two types of love. One is one for my best interest versus somebody else's best interest. You've described it as consumer love versus covenant love. Right. And consumer love is my best interest. And covenant is behavior and choice and commitment that I I choose to love you for your sake. Okay, so we've got our kinds of love. Now we're going to move into the science piece of this. Let's test some of these definitions. And is love a choice? Let's see what science has to say. 
there is some science behind the type of love that's the consumer type, the affection type, and particularly if you get into eros love. So that's that tingly feeling, I'm attracted to you, I have chemistry with you, you're the one, and it really leans toward erotic love, sexual attraction, and chemistry. So is there a choice in that? Does that just happen to us and we can't help it, or is there a choice? So it's interesting because the science behind that attraction is really that your brain believes that this person is a match for you, whether it's a match for mating, a match for marriage, a match for a fun time, but this person can give you what you want and what you're craving. And so in that sense, you don't really have a choice in that attraction. But what I think is very interesting about this is that your brain compels you toward this person and gives you fires neurons in your brain that says this is good this is good go for that gives you that quote chemistry because you believe that this person will be a match for you so you do have a choice on what you believe my example of this is I deeply love my husband and I believe that if I had an affair it would ruin my life (laughs) and so because I have a profound belief that nobody else is a good match for me um, and that that would be a bad thing I'm not even attracted to other people that chemistry doesn't happen to me I can notice somebody's handsome but that chemistry thing never happens because I have this overriding profound belief that the best person for me is my husband so that's an example of you can change your beliefs about who is a good match for you who is fun and what fun would be what would make you happy is something you can change your beliefs on You know, there are certain situations where I've seen people that are dating and just love that connection of dating and people being attracted. And then later on when they get married, that that habit kind of continues in the marriage. So they're looking to build those relationships at work or out. And I've seen that become a problem later in marriage. And so just this idea or this thought that flirting is going to make me happy, make me fulfilled can be a problem later on. And so I think, Tova, your thought about just the dangers of an affair or too many attractions can be a problem later on. Yeah, I I think you're hitting at the, it's a myth that we have no control over who we're attracted to. And that example you gave is really an example of somebody who's kind of got an addiction to the power of getting someone to like them. And so that's really not attraction as much as it is an addiction to the fun of the game, the thrill of the hunt, that now they don't want to give up because they're in a committed love relationship in addition to that. And so they that carries it out. Um, so there is some science to that, but it's a myth that you have no control over who you have chemistry with because you do. You can change your beliefs. I also think science reveals a couple of other myths. So let's just talk about even the, the love is blind. So science actually defends that one. It's not so much a myth. The piece of science behind it is that if you believe that a person is a good match for you, you do stop noticing the things that are contrary to that belief. So the science says we don't notice what we don't believe is true. We do notice what we already believe is true. So in that sense, love is a little bit blind. If you think this person is a match for you, you don't notice all the terrible things they do. But again, I want to say love is a choice. You can pursue truth and you can say, yes, I have chemistry with this person. But am I willing to look at the truth and make a really good choice? Do they have the things on the list of what I really need for a mate versus, oh, I have chemistry with this person, and so I have no choice, and love is blind, so I choose to stay blind and make a bad choice versus really choosing to be open to truth in a broader way. So, yeah, there's some lack of choice there, but we can choose to pursue truth, and we can choose to change what we believe. 
There's a mathematician and a scientist, Hannah Frey, who wrote a book, The Mathematics of Love. And one of the things that she mentions is just the, the odds of finding a mate. You know, the, just she talks about the randomness of finding the right person. And in her book, she really suggests that really we need to be less picky. And when I say less picky, you need to open up and kind of maybe broaden your horizon on who you would date or find as a mate. And so it doesn't mean you need to settle uh, for the person you're with just because it's convenient, but rather you just need to broaden your horizons and who you might pursue or consider as a spouse or a mate. So she kind of uh, debunks the myth that the right person is out there and it's like a random toss of the dice to find that right person. So she uses math to, to find that. Uh, what else have you found out there? There's there's always someone out there who would be better suited for you than your current partner. And oh, that's such a myth. And so just kind of the grass is always greener theory that there's always somebody better, more suited. And I think a lot of times this comes when there's problems in the relationship, you know, when you get hurt. And so you just blindly assume that the next person will not hurt you like this one. And and so it's when the relationship gets hard, it's almost like the bachelor, you know, when he runs into a problem with that one girl that he decided to pick in the back of his mind, he's like, well, maybe number contestant number two or contestant number five will work out. And that's why I think it's never going to work because in his mind, when it gets hard, he's not willing to work through the issue. He's just wanting to move on to the next girl because he had so many at the beginning of the show. So that brings us back to the science kind of backs us that love is a choice versus something that just happens to us and we have no choice over it and it's just it just happens to us. I think there's a little bit more science here I'd love to hit on from uh, Dr. Gottman. And this is a marriage expert who's done a great deal of research on this. And again, love being a choice is shown in some of his literature and, and research. Uh, Eric shares that. One of the things he he mentions in his material is that he can predict divorce within a, a six-year period of time with 90% accuracy. Wow. And, th and this has to do with just positives and negative comments, just this uh, interchange in a 15-minute period of time, just watching a couple interact. So at their marriage institute, they have watched couples videotape them for just their interactions for 15 minutes or so. And based on just how they handle each other in their communication, they can predict within a 90% accuracy whether they'll be divorced after five years. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. But it shows that it isn't really all of those myth things. Oh, they're the wrong person for me because of this or because of that. Really, it's about how do I love them in the moment? How do I communicate with them in the moment that predicts whether or not they're the, quote, right person for us? Right. It, and that interaction is key. How do I communicate in such a way that I'm heard and... I'm affirming and encouraging and not just destructive in my words. Okay, so that's not just something that happens to us. That's love is a choice. All right, science is proving it again. Uh, there we go. I know that Gottman had another piece that I think relates to here, which is that one of the hallmarks of relationships that fall apart is that they come in with an attitude of tit for tat and mm -hmm. even Stephen, I do my half, mm -hmm. you do your half. And uh, Eric, why does that fall apart? Well, it goes back to the consumer model. You know, if I pay my fair share, then I get a great product. But when you bring that into a relationship, particularly a long-term relationship, then uh, then you're counting. And you mentioned before the show that oftentimes we count what we do and we fail to count what the other person does. And so sometimes my wife says that to me, you know, you're not counting. I did this and you're not recognizing it. And maybe because it doesn't speak to my love language or I, I don't 
recognize it, but she is making a bid and, and I need to, to recognize that. Yeah, that tit-for-tat model, we basically think we're going for 50-50, but what you're really saying is we, we think we did 80% and they did 20, and they think the same thing, and so now you're in an argument over who's right mm-hmm. about where the line is should be drawn. So Can I share a story? Absolutely. Um, there was a point when my wife was pregnant with our second child, and she just had horrible pregnancy. She was projectile vomiting. She was sick, and my job was really stressful that year. And so I would work really hard, uh, had a lot of responsibility. And then I would basically come home. She would hand me our oldest child and then she would go throw up and go take a nap. And this went on for months. And I just began to resent that that stage in my life, you know, I, I began to resent that I was just on all the time and her parents came for a visit and all they did was serve. All they did was work around the house. All they did was fix things that needed to be fixed that I didn't have time for And at the end of that week, it was almost like God said, you know what you need to do, Eric? You need to love your wife more. You need to care for her more. You need to serve her like your parents. Her parents aren't counting it. They're just serving her at this time. And it really convicted me and changed my attitude and got me out of that faulty thinking pattern. Love is a choice. All right, so let's move on. We've talked about love as a choice from science perspective. Uh, Now I want to take that statement and put it up to scripture and shine some of God's light on it. So We've studied, Eric and I looked at scripture about this, and this is what we've come up with. First of all, the Bible absolutely confirms love as a choice from all sorts of angles. First of all, God commands us to love him and to love others. So if it's a command, it's a choice. It's something we can do out of obedience. We can choose to love God in practical ways, and we can choose to love others in practical ways. So both the Old and New Testament tell us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So we're commanded to love. What else is in there in Scripture? Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his body, but they fed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so this is a great just admonition that husbands, we should love our spouses. And it's not uh, temporary, just like you love your bodies from beginning to the end. uh, You should love your spouse. And that is really we get this model the way Christ loves us. It's a parallel that Christ doesn't love us just temporarily or when we do well. He loves us on our worst day. So true. So the Bible tells us we need to love God. We need to love others. We need to love our spouses. And although women are supposed to respect, we won't go into that today. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. No comment. Yeah. But we're supposed to also love our enemies. Luke 27, 28 tells us that we should love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. So clearly we are called to act in love to people beyond those. It's just that feeling of love that happens to us. Nobody just, surely he's not commanding us to just really like, enjoy the company of our enemies. I mean, we, there's no consumerism there. We don't get anything out of that, right? This is a one-sided agape kind of a love that God asks us to do. And love in scripture is definitely defined in behavioral terms. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Eric, you've got that in front of you. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. All of those are behavioral. Love is a choice, and those are behaviors that you can do. And scripture says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus actually says that. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. So behaviorally, our love for him is going to show in our actions. But really, our love is a byproduct, I think, of having been loved by God. So God is commanding all this for us, but this isn't easy. This isn't natural. Loving is a choice and loving our enemies. That's not natural to us. So until we really experience the love of God, I think it's pretty hard to actually obey him and love others as a choice. 1 John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For for whoever uh, does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. I think this is where the rubber meets the road. I think it's really hard to love somebody who hurts you. And kind of like loving your enemies, if we're commanded to love our enemies and we're commanded to love our brother and our sisters, you know, our brothers and sisters, I was the only child for much of my life, but I watch my kids and they know how to manipulate. They know how to hurt the other because they know them. They've known them their whole lives. And so when so you, do our spouses, our spouses are the same <laughs> category. When you have somebody that knows you so well, they know how to hurt you either intentionally or unintentionally. And so I think it takes the love of God uh, in our hearts to be able to love somebody who really hurts us at a deep, deep level. It's one thing to be hurt for my roommate. They left dishes in the sink. But it's another thing when your spouse or when your kid hurts you. And that's when the true test of can you love. And I think that's where a lot of relationships, they walk away. They get hurt so deeply mm-hmm. they're unable to forgive. And in some cases they need to walk away. But the reality is they don't know how to move on from that moment. And so they're just in a crisis. So the choice part there for loving people that way is really to choose to spend time with God. Mm -hmm. So if I choose to love God and spend time in his word and letting him love me and knowing how much he loves me and letting his scripture just bathe me in his love and for me to experience his love, that's the part I can choose. And then it's a byproduct that I begin to love those around me because I've received it. I've received forgiveness so I can forgive. I've received unconditional love so I can give it. And and I'm not dependent on other people for them to treat me well, to be okay, because God loves me anyway. So I think that is the choice part, is us spending time with God. Uh, Lastly, in terms of the scripture and love as a choice, is that obviously God himself chooses to love us. I just want to comment on that. It says in Deuteronomy 10, 15, yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all nations. And he's speaking of the nation of Israel, but there are plenty of the scriptures full of the love of God for us and the fact that he chooses us to be his children, that he chooses to love us, and that's all on his part. And so when we are like him, we choose to love other people, whether they deserve it or not, whether they hurt us or not. Um, it's a choice that we can make that we're asked to make. And Tova, Proverbs twenty one twenty one says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honor. And so these are good things. Yeah. If we pursue love, we have promised blessings. We're, we're commanded to do it, but our lives are going to be better if we do it. So scripture says love is a choice. Make the choice. Make the choice, first of all, to love God, and then you'll also love others.
So now we've talked about science and the Bible, and I think both of them hold up to love as a choice. Let's move into practical living. Let's test this concept, is love a choice? And let's ask ourselves, is that really play itself out in real life? And I think a first step in that is that if you choose to love others, you need to know them. If you don't know them really well, how can you possibly love them? So Love is a choice to get to know someone so that then you can figure out their love language, you can figure out their needs, you can be other-centered. And in real life, that's a choice to be made. Because if we're just following the myths of society that it's just this feeling that comes over us, we just start dating, we have chemistry, we become sexually active, and now our chemistry is really flowing. And every time we're with this person, there's just chemistry, as opposed to this choice to love, the choice to know them as a person inside and out in in all the important ways besides the chemistry way. So we believe those myths, we're going to get in trouble. But if we believe that love is a choice, then we can move toward those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think the figuring out who you're going to spend the rest of your life with is a big step and it takes time and you really do need to get to know them and figure out are there some common interests and values that will sustain the relationship for the long haul okay so let's talk about marriage here is love a choice in marriage eric i think it is every day i mean i think we live in a very difficult city in a difficult time and there's really an assault on marriage you know miami it's about the image versus the substance And so a lot of times it's just about how it looks on Facebook or Instagram rather than is there a a substantial relationship here that can last the long haul. For me, in terms of marriage, I think you're choosing over and over to be married and to stay married because the person I choose to stay married to after 10 years is not the person I married. We're a different, we're different people. You know, that person in our 20s, that's not the same person walking through the door after 10 years of having kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a different person. (laughs) And I'm at an empty nest age and, and we're different people now too. You know, when life has hit you with struggles or failures or successes or griefs and losses, you're a different person at every stage in your life. And so you always have to re up. You always have to re choose. Am I going to choose to love this person, Mm -hmm. the 20-year-old, the 40-year-old, the 6-year-old, can I choose them? And so it's always a choice. Mm -hmm. And And I think God has to remind us of that choice. There was a point when I was dating my wife before we got married that we were actually on a mission trip and we got into a big fight. And I I'll say the details, but I was really hurt and I felt like she was holding back and sharing some things. And I, we had a long, you know, 3 a.m. argument and I went to bed and the next day I was just kind of grumpy and irritable. And it was like the Lord was saying, did you mess up? Did you make a mistake? Did you choose the wrong person? He talks to you like that. And uh, and I was like, yeah, I think so. And he says, but was that me that you were praying to for all those months before you decided to go out? Was that me that you sought after to get permission Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so, and he says, did I screw up? Did I mess, mess lead you down a wrong path? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I had confidence to move forward in the relationship mm. because I knew God was with me. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's true. Let's test this with, as love a choice with our kids. I think in terms of parenting, it's the most obvious one where you think it's not even a choice. God gives us literally hormones that make us love these kids and bond to these kids the moment they come into our lives, including grandchildren. I got some of those, but, <laughs> but, but we just naturally bond, but that isn't actually always true. Not everybody bonds. It, you can choose not to be intimate. 
You can choose not to be other-centered. You can choose not to bond with your children. You can reject that. You can stay away from that. You can avoid that. And that happens all the time. And I do think there are parents who have children because they think their kids are going to meet their needs. It's that consumer love versus having kids and then loving them for their sake. And sometimes we have kids for our sake, and then after they come, we figure out it's really for their sake, and it's all work on our part. But hopefully that's a growing thing. But I think at every stage in parenting, love is a choice, too, a choice to be other-centered. What's in their best interest versus what works for me today? That's a great point, Eva. Well, thanks, Eric. Look, I see we're up on our time, so I'm going to wrap this up with a few things. First of all, Eric and I agree that love is a choice, so you can write us an email. If you disagreed, let's hear from you. Write us at on the air at wellspringmiami.org. We'd love to hear from you. So we agree you can choose who you love and you can choose how you love. And that's that commitment piece, the uh, choice to love people and to do that in behavioral actions, which are choices that we make every day. So let's wrap up. If you'd like to come to Eric for therapy, he's available. He's starting a habit support group. If you call this week, you can get into that. Otherwise, you're welcome to come to him for goal-setting therapy as well as regular therapy. And all our other therapists at wellspringmiami.org, call us, email us, and, and we'll set you up with someone. Next week, I'm going to talk about there is no love without respect. So we'll kind of have a part two on this love thing, and it'll be fun together. So send us an email. Find us online, wellspringmiami.org. It's time to wrap up. This is Tova Kreps with Wellspring on the Air, because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring's services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.